0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Footy Time. My name is Johnny Raff. Apologies that there was no episode on Monday. I'm still as sick as a dog and yes, was unable to record. So yeah, this is the next best thing. We're going to go through just a bit of a a halfway recap of the season in 2022 and see where things sit and what we're looking at going forward for the rest of the season. Doing this one a little bit on the fly, but uh, but yeah, we wanted to make sure we got something in uh, before we go on the bye next week. Uh, not sure how long we'll go for, but uh, we'll try and do a real quick recap. Uh, to kick things off, maybe we'll just have a really quick look at the round that's just been. Uh, Today's actually Wednesday the 15th uh, of June, but yeah, <laughs> we'll just quickly have a look at what happened over the last weekend. Of footy. And so we started on Thursday night with the Tigers getting over the power. Friday night we had the Blues too good for the Bombers. On Saturday there were two games with Frio just pipping the Hawks in the end. They pushed them all the way, the Hawks. And at the Gabba we had the Lions prevailing over the Saints by 21 points. On Sunday the Giants too strong for the Roos. And on Monday the Queen's birthday game, Collingwood ended up getting the chocolates over melbourne so we'll look at the ladder now because what effect has this had on the ladder well brisbane have dethroned melbourne in top spot for the first time since gee, i don't know when round three something like that i'm not sure but the lines are on top now by 0.2 percent over melbourne who lost 7% of percentage after that loss to the Pies. Uh, but it sets up a great top-of-the-table clash next Thursday at the MCG between those two teams. We've got Frio deadlocked as well, and, but in third place with a percentage of 128.5. So that's actually about six five 5.5% behind Melbourne. So those three teams are completely deadlocked on top spot. Uh, strange when you think about three weeks ago, Melbourne were <laughs> nearly two games clear. I think it was, but um, yeah, that's how it sits at the moment. Fourth place we've got Carlton. So if you were told at the start of the season that Carlton would be nine and three, and with a game to play really for this round, yeah, would Blues fans certainly would have taken that. And uh, yeah, that's it's looking good. It's looking good. They've had some key injuries to deal with, but they've managed to get through it quite well. Fifth place, we've got Geelong, who they had their bye this week, I believe. Yes, they did. And, yeah, they're coming good just at the right time, I think. they got West Coast after the bye. And, jeez, yeah, you would not be complaining too much at all if you were a Cats fan at the minute. St Kilda in sixth spot. Just going along, that was a tough game. That was a really tough game against the Lions, but they don't lose any fans. I still think that they've got a lot to play four as this season goes on we've got Sydney in seventh spot who are just you know going about their business as usual and you know there's no reason why they can't play more finals for you Collingwood move into well they moved into the eight the week before but they are firmly entrenched in the eight now by a game over Richmond who is in ninth and the Bulldogs a game behind them in tenth so I think the best way we'll go about this we'll go team by team of the ones that we think have a realistic shot at the flag this year so this is the fun part and possibly the unpopular part i'm going to put a line through pretty much all of these teams because without saying west coast north and essendon are out adelaide are out hawthorne gws out port adelaide i had to think about it for a second but no i think they're out Gold Coast, well, it's a different situation there. You've got a club that's looking to play finals for the first time. (laughs) It's a bit much to expect that they can run the table and win a flag. But look, I would say that they're out. I think that the... And then I'll look at the Bulldogs and I'll look at Richmond. I think that both of those teams could easily find their way back into a position to make the eight. But I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to win the flag this year. You could... could make a bit of a case for the Tigers, especially with some of these players that have come back, especially with the... When they've got all hands on deck and they've got their structure, they've got their system up and running, they can probably challenge any team. And I think this game against the Blues on Thursday night is going to be very, very interesting. But maybe we'll revisit this after that game, but I would say at this point, I just think Richmond's a little bit off being a genuine flag contender. Uh, yeah. I think they'll definitely make a good case for finals, but yeah, I'm not sure if they can do enough damage in, in the finals But against some of these teams. So oh, look at these teams. Collingwood. Okay, Collingwood were fantastic on Monday, and they've had a fantastic month. No doubt about it. Can they win the flag? I don't think so. I think that they uh, just lack a little bit of firepower up front. You can't rely on guys like Brody meyer Check to kick four goals a week even though he does (laughs) quite often, but he isn't sort of your power forward and you you kind of need a few more avenues to go. He's more a a very good second key forward. Uh, Mason Cox is not going to take eight marks a game and have 21 possessions and put the opposition's best player out of the game (laughs) every single week. It's just, it's not going to happen. He had a very, very good game, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, those are great numbers, but it, it just won't happen. It, we, know, we know what we get from Mason Cox, and it's not that every week. Simple as that. Um, they've got some great players. They've got, uh, got a nice game style. It's developing very well, and they were very good on Monday. Can they play finals? Of course they can play finals. Absolutely. Can they win the flag is what we're talking about? No. They're not quite good enough for that yet. So that leaves Sydney, St Kilda, Geelong, Carlton, Freer, Melbourne, Brisbane. I think for the sake of the length of the show we're not going to go through Sydney but we'll call them the. I think we'll call Sydney the best of the rest uh, fantastic to watch when they get up and running they've taken some good scalps this year uh, yeah look, <laughs> yeah. I could easily put Sydney in this but for time constraints we're not going to so I've identified six teams that I think that could at this point at this point this could change in a few weeks but at this point have a shot at the flag and it just so happens to be the top six teams. This wasn't a coincidence. That just, yeah. Well, it is a coincidence, I guess. So we're looking at Brisbane, Melbourne, Fremantle, Carlton, Geelong, St Kilda. We'll just really quickly start with the Saints. So what I want to do is I want to look at their fixture coming up. Um, They've got... We'll look at. The, we'll focus on the next month from a lot of these clubs. The, the next month for St Kilda, they've got Essendon at Marvel, uh, they've got Sydney in Sydney, they've got Carlton at Marvel, they've got Fremantle at Marvel, all potential danger games, apart from Essendon. Uh, yeah, th- th- that's a tough one. But if if St Kilda can get out of that with about two wins. I think they give themselves a very, very good platform to at least play finals this year and a very, very good platform to finish top six as well. Top four will depend on how they go really beyond that. I mean, after that, they've got some pretty winnable games, but they do play Geelong again. They play Brisbane again. Um, and they actually play Sydney again in the last game of the season. So it, it the sky is the limit for the Saints this year. Can they go on and win the flag? I just feel like St Kilda is the biggest unknown quantity out of all these teams. I just feel like they have got some really good linchpins in a lot of areas and Max King is playing some good footy. But they are a team that I think they're a really hard team to prepare for, especially with their speed, especially with the running carry from guys like Jack Sinclair, especially with their back line. Guys like Callum Mulkey just does, he does the job every week. And, just doesn't seem to tire. I think that they're one to watch. They're definitely one to watch. And it's usually the second half of the season where you see these teams who are sort of sitting around that mark, the sixth, fifth, sixth mark, whatever. They can either elevate or they drop off a bit, but there's quite a lot that elevate in the second half and you really kind of feel like they're, you know, they're just bringing something to the to the table. They're, they're just rising to the occasion. And I'm trying to think if there was a good example of that last season. Um, I guess it was Port Adelaide last season, really. I mean, they were always sort of firming for the top four, but they took some very good scalps later on, including that one against the Bulldogs uh, in the last game of the season and finished, uh, I think they finished second. So I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but it's a good example of the run-in being vital. And if St Kilda can get this run-in right, who knows what could happen? So I don't quite think they're good enough to win the flag, but they're the one that teams need to look out for because they could be coming from left field. Let's move on to the next team, and that is Geelong sitting in fifth position. Well, the Cats, what can we say about the Cats that hasn't already been said? I mean, we know what the Cats are. We know how well they can play. We know how they can get you. They've got the double-pronged approach up forward. They've got Tom Hawkins, they've got Jeremy Cameron, both playing very, very good football at the moment. They are winning games that are there to be won. So that Bulldogs game was a very, very good, hard-fought game of football. And they show with their experience, with their, just their resolve, that they're able to hold a team like the Dogs a rampaging Dogs out. They had shot out to a fourteen point, sorry, 40-point lead early in that game. But the Dogs just ground their way back, got to within about five. But then Jeremy Cameron, ice in his veins, three fourth-quarter goals, he seals the win. There's been a lot of games like that this year, and I think the one against Brisbane down at uh, GMHBA was another good example of this. Don't sleep on the Cats, because they can get it done when it matters. They know what it takes to win. And, you know... You could say that they're over the hill. Jeez, that's a very, very dangerous position to be in, I think, if you're going to take that stance. Sleep on Geelong at your peril, in my opinion. There's always the same questions. Do they have what it takes in the ruck? When you see someone like Reece Stanley play the game that he did two Friday nights ago, that is the standard. That's what we want, Reece, week after week, if you're a Cats fan. I mean, 16 possessions... 15 of them contested, and I think a few, a few contested marks in there for good measure as well, three of them. That's what you want to see week in, week out. You want to see a competitive Reece Stanley, and if he can do that, he's one of the most athletic ruckmen in the competition. If he was able to keep this kind of output in, in footy terms, then there's really no issue. But it has always been that question, is it, is it something that can be consistent? And, yeah, I don't know. Can Sigler give him a chop out when he gets back? I'm not sure how long Sigler's out for with that foot injury, but can he be something that will help? I mean, you've also got uh, Radical Ear coming back soon. Uh, Can he offer something? I I don't know. It's the same old question, though, with Geelong. It's can they get enough out of the ruck stocks? And that's really what it is. I mean, they have altered the style of play a bit more this year. They move it a bit quicker. They get try and bring it out through the front of the contest a lot with a lot more speed and it is working a lot more they don't go completely away from their controlled style when they need to they will chip it around which is good it's good to have this balance with a team like that but geez that i think the cats are primed for another big second half of the year and i would put my money on them finishing top four that's usually how it works out let's look at their run ahead they've got west coast next week I mean, come on. It's in Optus Stadium, but, the jeez, that's a bloopy. They've then got the Tigers uh, the week after, which will be a good match. That that would be a nice test for them. They've got North again. They just played North, I think, and they have got them again. So there's a bloopy. And then they've got a big one against Melbourne down at GMHBA, which, really, the way things are going, you would look at that one right now, and you, you'd fancy your chances. They also have Carlton the week after, which could also be a great match. So it's, it's a very... It's not an easy schedule for Geelong, but they do play West Coast again in the last game of the season by the look of it. Um Suns at Metricon St. Kilda again. Look, it's a reasonable. Um it's a very reasonable draw. It's much more favorable than others. And yeah, like I said, I'd be putting my money on them to finish top four again. Can they win the flag? Yes, they can, in my opinion. Yes, I think they can definitely win the flag. Uh, they can if they get enough out of those guys that we mentioned, uh Tyson Stengel's given him another dimension to that forward line. And he's really, really hard to defend. He's you know brings great pressure, he knows where the goals are. And they've also got Gary Rowan back. I mean, just to add that pace around the contest in the forward line, it's gonna give teams a lot to think about. So that's the question with Geelong. Uh I mean look i mean you look at down back and what geelong do when they haven't got the ball and their ability to get it back uh look it's it's maybe not as strong as it was once but there's a lot of upside i mean it, it kind of does hinge on tom stewart as we know and if tom stewart is out they are considerably less good down there but They've got Sam De Koning, who I know he's still quite young, but jeez, he is something for the future, this kid. You know, Blitzarves has been spending a lot of time down there and he's been good. Um, you know, you've also got uh, guys like uh um it should be it should be enough to get things done, really, at the end of the day. So I think that the cats will make top four. Um yeah, I just I think that they'd really fancy their chances to make top four. So can they yeah. As I said, can they win the flag? Yeah, I think they're definitely a shot at it, especially if they get that top four spot. I know that the knock on them is always how they perform in that first week of the finals and how Danger performs and Rowan performs. And look, the knockers will definitely be out there, but they get another chance at it. And you never know. The closer you, the more this happens, the closer you come to cracking the code, I think. And it just takes that one, that one game where they get it right in the first week. And if they win it and they, you know it's a qualifying final they're three real prelims so it's not they're not as far away from it as you think sometimes so they would definitely be thereabouts we'll move on to the next team though and that's Carlton so there's still people out there that would say that Carlton have no chance of winning this flag and that they're just making up numbers They're, they're pretenders They've had a good season so far. Geez, they blow some leads in games. Oh, well, it's shocking. Well, I'm sorry, but we're at the halfway point of the season and this team has won nine games. You probably need to win about 13 to make the eight, I'd say. That's probably going to get it. That means that Carlton, four more wins, they should have it. They should have that spot in the eight. Are they a top four team? Very good question. I think they can make top 4. I think they've got the firepower and that's important. Do they have enough down back to keep them to keep them tight when it counts? That they have improved a lot in that area. They've definitely improved a lot. But is it is it going to be good enough, I think, is the question for Carlton when they play the Brisbane's, the St Kilda's, the, you know Even the Freos and the Melbournes, who wouldn't, I guess you wouldn't say have a lot of firepower. But when they play these teams that score heavily, at Geelong's rather, are they going, to, when it counts in finals football, are they going to be able to stay with these teams? That's my question. It's been a long time since we've seen Carlton in the finals. So there's a lot of players on this list that don't have finals experience either. So, yeah, that's my question. Do they have what it takes to slow these teams uh the blues are currently 10th on points allowed so yeah yeah it's it's not terrible <laughs> but it's not as simple as that either it, it is the manner and without a player like Jacob Weedering, that they managed to do okay against Essendon but how is this gonna go for the next few weeks. They've held their own, and Wiedering is, in my opinion, the best defender in the competition right now. I think when you're a, a great one-on-one defender like Wiedering, who can slot it, probably slot into most systems, but you can also do continue to do well while there's chaos around you. He was in a team last year where it was absolutely shambles. It's a bit better this year, but he is just a constant. If If they can get through this next month, let's have a look at that next month for the Blues. Um, So they will take on Richmond, obviously. They then play 3-0. It feels like that was only a month ago, but they play the Dockers at Marvel. Should be a good game. The week after is against St. Kilda at Marvel. I'm really looking, I've been looking forward to that game for a while. I think that those two teams are going to match up very well on each other. But that is a Friday night game. Should be good. Then after that, they've got West Coast over at Optus. And then Geelong uh, on July the 16th. It's an interesting patch. What do they need to take out of this next five weeks that I've just mentioned to have a platform for top four? I'll say. So I think if they win, I mean, look, they only really need to win two of those to to have a platform for the eight. So if they lost to Richmond this Friday and they ended up if they if they got a win over the Dockers, that'd be amazing. And then the Saints, it's really these next three games for Carlton. These next three games will shape their entire season, I think. If they went... If they Okay, let's say they struck out in all three of them. They would still have a chance to fight for the finals because they play West Coast. And they maybe can get one over Geelong. Who knows? They play the Giants, which will be another good game, even though it is at Marvel. Giants can surprise you. They then face Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne... Collingwood it's not easy it's not easy so I think if they struck out in all three of these that'd be that'd be some panic buttons (laughs) maybe but if they won one of them they'd have a good platform to play finals I reckon if they got two out of these three they could think a bit beyond that and if they could win all of them then there's no reason whatsoever why Carlton shouldn't set the sights for the top four so, yeah, that's that's my take on that situation. I think the next three, and then they got the West Coast game. And, yeah, they just go from there. So, it's, it's a bit like two mini-seasons here for Carlton coming up. But, yeah, very interested to see how these ones go. <laughs> very interested. I think that we're going to see a lot of shuffling in that top six area. So, yeah, I love their ability to kick a winning score. I think that they can definitely do that. They can definitely, um, they've shown it. And guys like Charlie Kernow, they they perform when the game's on the line. They perform; they're big time players. I think he's been fantastic, especially when Mackay was out. I think that's a real good mark of a a true player and a true key position forward. Is that is their ability to just make stuff happen and grab the game by the scruff of the neck? Charlie Kernow is a scruff of the neck grabber type of player, in my opinion. So yeah. Anything could happen with the Blues. Uh, and the, the sky's the limit for them as well. But these three games, big, big test, big test. Uh, actually, let's just have a really quick look at their injuries as well. So, Adam Chera, uh, he got subbed out in the uh, first quarter against Essendon. Uh, low grade hamstring. Ex- he, that's like a two week deal. Um, David Cunningham, yeah, he's still got a knee issue and calf tightness. Uh, so that could be well. a yeah, while. I keep forgetting Ed Connor is still on the list. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, yeah, trying to, to progress there. Oscar McDonald's been on the inactive list for quite a while. Caleb Marchbank also, I think at six to eight weeks, they're looking at their meniscus tear. Mitch McGovern, that's that was a bummer. But, but they, they have managed without him. His hamstring, it's been a month since he had the surgery. Uh, really hard to tell, I guess, but I'd say six to eight weeks by the look of it. And you still, yeah, you never know. Luke Parks, he's been out for a while. Late in the season, Mark Pittner progressing really well back in heavy conditioning. Uh, at this stage, the aim is for him to be available in four weeks. Jeez, it was a shocker, that knee that he had. Jacob Weedering, AC joint, recovered well after surgery. Focus now on getting strength back. Back running this week. Expect to be back within a month. And then you've got Zach Williams, two weeks removed from sustaining high-grade calf straight in round nine. Timeline hasn't changed. Aiming to be available to play late in the season, whatever that means. So, they are key outs. They are all, a lot of them are very good players, but they are marching on without them. So... It's one of those situations where it's just going to be gravy when they get these guys back because they've got a nice team philosophy at the moment and an ethos that is getting the job done. But we'll see just how good that philosophy is when they take on some of these tests in the next few weeks. Okay, that brings us to the top three. And the top three, if you're asking for my honest opinion, I would include maybe Geelong in this mix, but I think the Premiership Cup will be lifted by one of these three teams. Geelong's the only one outside of this that I'd maybe consider it. but I believe firmly that it's one of these three teams. And we start with Fremantle. The Dockers, they've been very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. They knocked off Melbourne a few weeks ago. They also knocked off Brisbane the week after in that Uh, epic battle over in the West. They just got over the Hawks, but that was a nice gritty win and they were clearly not up to their best. Uh, Yeah. Been so impressed by the Dockers this season. Very impressed. Uh, Let's look at their road ahead. So the Dockers have the bye this week, but when they come back, they will have a trip to Melbourne to play Carlton at Marvel Stadium. Going to be a very interesting game, that one. Does the home ground advantage help Carlton that much? Is it something that the, the Dockers are starting to play a little bit better on that ground lately in the recent times, I think? You'd say Carlton will start favourites, but that's a big test for them as well. Uh, that week after they then play Port at home. Port, no mean feat. Like, it's a tough one, but yeah, they'll be back at home. Then the week after, they play the Saints again. And the Saints did knock them off in Perth in round two. The rematch at Marvel Stadium will be a Saturday night on July the 9th. It's another one of these... Yeah, it's a sliding doors moment, really. This... Yeah, both the fortunes. There's a lot of twists and turns. When you really look at this fixture, there's a lot of twists and turns left in this season. And the week after, they play Sydney at Optus. So... And the week after that, they play Richmond. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just keep going. week after that, they play Melbourne again over in the West. They then play the Bulldogs at Marvel. And then they play there's a Derby. then uh, they finish off playing the Giants. So, look, this is quite a test for the Dockers, really. I mean, you could say that it's not that much harder than the other teams I've mentioned. But I don't think they come much tougher than this. Uh, look, I think Port Adelaide's really... They're starting to really hit the straps a bit. And that won't be a gimme game in Perth. Carlton is... Yeah, Carlton's looking good. So it's going to be tough. But for the Dockers to see... that The Dockers would want to be aiming for a top two spot. Can they do it with this? Or do we expect another possible drop-off? Remember... It was only a few weeks ago that they lost to the Gold Coast Suns and then to the Pies before their incredible win over the D's at the MCG and then the Lions. So three wins on the bounce. But geez, they've got to they've got to rise again. Nat Five is coming back. The talk is that he'll play forward. I think it's probably a wise move because to have him playing in this midfield right now while that midfield is buzzing and it's very much a transition-based midfield at the moment. They, they defend well in transition. They move the ball quickly. I don't think that's what Nat Five offers you at the moment. I think Nat Five is more of your, uh, you know, stoppage contested ball kind of guy. And look, he can still do that. But I just think it would change a lot to the face of that midfield at the moment if he was to go straight back in there. You know, for one hundred and twenty minutes. So yeah, that is. That, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be very, very interesting to see what happens when he does come back. Let's have a look at the Dockers' injury list. So Michael Walters has been back and he's been playing very, very good football. There was some talk that he got some hamstring tightness, I think, in the game against the Lions. But yeah, that's one that they really want to get right because he, his experience that he brings and his, the way he's playing at the moment, very, very good. Uh, you had Matt Tabanar out, which uh, yeah, I think he was just a, a, a bit of a back issue. Uh, Liam Henry, uh, H&S protocols. It's not a bad injury list really, but the one that would really, really hurt for the Dockers at the moment is what happened to Blake Acres. Uh, um, I, when I saw the vision, it looked I thought he ripped his hamstring off the bone. Apparently, uh, they've said that he's avoided a serious hamstring injury, and it's more of a, a moderate grade hamstring injury. So I don't know what the time frame on that would be. Jeez, oh, if you had to guess, it'd be something between the three or four week category. Uh, but he was very, very—he looked heartbroken because he's worked so hard on his game, and he's become a real integral part of this of this team. I love what he has to offer, and his pressure, pressuring, and he's just a, yeah. It's been so important for them this year. Uh, so that that's one to look out for. But the Dockers. you you the, I'm talking about these run-ins, and, and it sort of sounds like it's a bad thing if they've got a very tough draw. It can be a very, very good thing if you have a tough draw in the lead up to a final series. You don't want to be playing teams and just getting these really soft challenges and you don't learn anything from your team and you're not really battle-hardened. If Rio can get through this period and finish in top four, I would almost say that they're the favourites to win the flag because getting a home final over at Optus is going to be crucial if they get another one in the prelim. That's you know, like that's an easy pathway to a grand final. Now, I know you can say the same for Brisbane, but I reckon it would actually be a bit more beneficial for the Dockers uh, having to do a lot less travel, uh, having to, yeah, just just really make that ground a fortress come finals time and with confidence after knocking over some of these challenges, if they do. So, yeah, really intrigued to see it. I really do hope the Dockers can do well this season. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I think that their style stacks up. We've already talked about it. We've talked about their side. I'm a big fan of their side. I don't, I don't really care that much if it's if it's not as flamboyant as some other teams or if it's not as sexy the way they play. But you know they can kick some goals. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I just love the way they. are their back six is set up. I think guys, Alex Pierce is fantastic. Griffin Lowe is a good guy. Luke Ryan, Brennan Cox, Hayden Young does a good job as a small back. Uh, then you've got the guys up forward who, when they get their chances, they make you pay. Uh, guys like the, you know, the Lockie Schultz's, the, the you know the Rory Lobs, Michael Walters, obviously Travis Collier, the Swiss Kelsey. These guys can really punish you with just a handful of opportunities at the moment. Uh, and then you've got a very good mix in the midfield. Andrew Brayshaw. I would actually have Andrew Brayshaw, brand-new favourite right now. I don't see why he can't be. Uh, Jordan Clark's pitched in. We mentioned Blake Akers before. David Mundy offers got experience, and Will Brody has been a revelation. So love the way that midfield is working at the moment. Uh, So, yeah, I think that this is a, a big, big chance for the Dockers to... Gained some respect amongst the competition. They've been around since 1995, I think it was. I, Yeah, they did make a grand final in 2013. The Hawks were clearly the best side that year, I think. They had a very good season in 2015. I think they were one of the best teams throughout the home and away season, and that was one of Nat Feist-Brownlow years. But, uh, yeah, just fell away come finals time. I think that this is going to be their best chance in the in the history of the club to get that illustrious premiership. But we'll see. Time will tell. Okie dokie. We're down to the last two. And I'm going to start with Melbourne because they are second. And that's the way it is. So we had a team that was in first place for most of the season coming up to their buy round. They have just now been pipped by Brisbane for top spot by 0.2%. Well, I think if you graded Melbourne on the first 10 games, there's really not much you could have said poorly about the way they were going about it. It was an A-plus in the report card. And, yeah, it was looking pretty easy. They were running at about 70%. They still hadn't played their best football, and they were cruising to wins each week, seemingly in control all the time. But... The last three weeks just show you how quickly things can change and they can change dramatically. It is a big deal to lose three games in a row. It doesn't matter where you are, really, on the the table. To win... Sorry, to lose three in a row is, in my opinion, infinitely worse than going through a three-game patch with one win and two losses. I think that would have been way better. But to go three on the bounce after you are two games clear, it's not ideal. A lot of people I know are talking about the loading principle and that they're not quite at their best. They thought this was the best time to do that. Fine, fine. Maybe that's the case, but we're not going to get too technical. We're just going to say that Melbourne are in second position. There are some injuries. They have lost three in a row and the manner of those losses has not been all that great, but they do sit in second position. So... Let's look at the run home for the Ds. And I've mentioned before on this show that it's not ideal. (laughs) So the the loss to Collingwood hurts a lot because I think uh, uh, deep down, especially after what had happened during that week and if we're subscribing to loading and all the injuries and things like that, I think that I never expected Melbourne to bring their A game on Monday but I, did, I was expecting a bit more performance-wise. We really needed to get that win, just get over the line in an ugly fashion. We just needed to get an ugly win and get to the bye and reset. It wasn't to be... They fell away in that last quarter. Collingwood got over the top. Mm-hmm. Collingwood took the chances when they were presented to them. You can't blame them. They played some good footy, and they deserved to win it. But the Demons three on the bounce going into a bye it is not ideal and the news is compacted with <laughs> with some injuries we will get to those in a moment but let's look at what the road ahead is for Melbourne so after this bye the d's play the brisbane lions on a thursday night at the mcg Ooh, geez a top of the table clash coming off three losses in a row this is the moment. If they're going to bounce back, it's got to be in this game. If they don't, then I think it probably is curtains for season 2022, no matter how you want to slice it. I just don't think that Melbourne can run the table after losing a fourth game at the MCG in a row. And I just don't think they can expect be expected to run the table in some of these away games uh, like coming up. Let's have a look at it. So after that, they've got Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Look, winnable, but let's be honest, it's not a gimme. They've got Geelong down at GMHBA Stadium, again on a Thursday night. They've got Port Adelaide at, at not the MCG, this one is the Darwin game, T-I-O, tri- yeah, Trigger Park, so yeah, it'll be nice and humid and uh, all sorts of pleasant conditions. The Bulldogs again at Marvel Stadium, really, if anyone's thinking that's a pushover game, then just, you need your head checked. The Dockers at Optus Stadium, well, (laughs) rolled over at the MCG, that one's going to be even tougher. They then play Collingwood again at the MCG. They play Carlton, who could be in rampaging form at that time. At the MCG, they finish off with Brisbane at the Gabba. This is the toughest road home of any of these top four teams. I don't care what anyone says. This is a very big, this is an almighty test. So, this game against Brisbane at the MCG is going to be massive. They absolutely need to win that game. There is no questions asked about that. It's very easy to get bogged down in the win-loss ratio and say, oh, it's okay, we're still 10 wins. Well, yeah, you know, we're doing all right. No, you talk like that when you've lost one or two games, or maybe when you've dropped one, won one, and then lost another, or, you know, something like that. But to lose three straight is a big deal. Uh, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I'm not saying you can't rebound and, and win a flag after that. But it's a big deal. And it, there's no point pretending that it's not. Okay? You've just got a team who went 17 wins in a row and backed that up with three losses in a row. I'm sorry. I, w- I would have much preferred to lose one, then win one, then lose two or lose you know, whatever. This isn't a Melbourne show, as we've said many times. So that, that's the case. So that's what's in front of us. It is that. It is exactly that. So Melbourne sit 10 and three at the moment. They are pro- You're probably going to need to win about 17 or 18 games to get top two. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Looking at this, I think it's a, a big ask for Melbourne to only go through with six or even seven losses for the season. Uh, you would need to, to go through with wins over. So where are you gonna find the six wins from? That's a better question. Well, hopefully they get the Lions. Hopefully they get Adelaide over there. So you'd say that's two. Then you've got Port. Can they get it done up in Darwin? Yep. Well let's say yes, three. Uh let's say the dogs. Okay, look that I expect that to be a tough game, but let's say that they get that one. That's that's four. Then they've got Collingwood again who seem to match up very well on Melbourne every time they play them. But if they can get that one done, then that's five. Then it's a coin flip, I think in the Carlton game. And if they can get that one done, it's six, 16, I think should get your top four. It should get your top four. Uh, 16 with a very good percentage could possibly go. No, no, no. I think 16 will get your top four. I don't think, I think, no, you need more than that for top two, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think that is that's what's in front of them. They are going to have to claim some scalps. I know it's asking a lot of this team that's performed quite well up until this period, but they now have to go and claim some scalps. And I think some of those scalps need to be. Well, they probably need to beat Geelong down in Geelong. It's a lot. I know it sounds like a big ask, but you know, they did do it last year, and they're going to have to do it again. Uh, they're going to have to get the Dockers. I think in the rematch at Optus. Okay. They're going to have to learn from that game. They're going to have to watch the tape. They're going to have to realise that a team like the Dockers could get that fortune once, but if Melbourne really is the, the well-structured machine that they are, and it will have more players back at that point, then that game, they've got to go over to Perth and knock them off exactly the way that Freo did to them. So that's a key one for me. I think it's a bit more of a key one than the Brisbane game because that's the last game of the season and I just think at that point they're probably going to rest a few Brisbane'll rest a few too but I would say that that's probably the one that you think that maybe they can drop I think the Freo one's the one that they definitely need to win and the rest are just yeah look I mean there's every chance that Melbourne could win two of these last <laughs> of these of these remaining games but there is also every chance that they could come out of this with some real serious flying colours, and that's the beauty of this. That's the beauty of this time of the season. We can just see, we can just see the fixture for what it is, and spitball these ideas. But for Melbourne, it's about putting one foot in front of the other, and they've just got to think about the next game right now. They've got, they must beat Brisbane in that game. That, that's all it is. That's all there is to it. They've got to beat Brisbane and live to fight another day. Let's look at the injury list for Melbourne because we mentioned it before and it is not that pleasant. Let's have a look at that. So, as you would now know, the news today of Max Gorn's scans was that he did indeed have a syndesmosis injury to the high ankle and ligaments were damaged. He wouldn't he won't require surgery but he is going to spend some time on the sidelines. The early prognosis is that he will be missing three to five weeks, but as we know with the syndesmosis injuries, they can vary. It could be four to eight. Who knows? They could decide after a few weeks that it's maybe not healing the way they wanted it to, and they might have to put him in for surgery. Who knows? It's so unpredictable, that injury. You had Sam Walsh recover from it uh, very well earlier in the year, after surgery, I think he had. You had Joel Selwood return in about three weeks after having surgery. But you've had some guys who have really spent a lot of time on the sidelines uh, after... um, uh, You had uh, Zach Merritt miss about six to eight weeks with one. So, yeah, that's the key one. You've got uh, Blake Howes, who's still got his foot injury, and that's four to six weeks. He is a first-year player, which is a bit of a shame. I would have liked to have seen him get some games for Casey. Tom McDonald, who's got the Liz Frank injury, and he's had that plate inserted into his foot, which sounds like all sorts of pleasant. Um, Yeah, it's hard to say a timeline for his return. You're not going to know until about a month of of rehab, I think, how it's all reacting, and if they can build the strength back up. So, the hope is that he gets back, I guess, with a few games left of the season, but, I mean... (laughs) There's so much you don't know at this stage about that kind of injury. And he's so important to the structure up forward. Just the the way he runs defenders out of position and things like that. It's just going to be very difficult. So, yeah, we've got our fingers crossed there, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, you got Jake Milksham with the hand injury. He's out for a week. I won't be saying any more on that particular injury and how that injury was sustained. Yep. So... Yeah, uh, next up, we've got Fraser Roseman. He hasn't played yet. Joel Smith, apparently still three to five weeks away. I thought he was a bit closer than that. Would be very handy to try up forward, I reckon, when he's ready. Uh, hopefully, it's not quite that bad. Daniel Turner will be out for two, to, one to two weeks. I don't think that's true at all. I think he's got a fractured cheekbone, and I think he'll be out for probably about a month, from what I've heard from another source. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the injury list. But... there's there's a bit more to it than that as well. I think you've got some real banged up players who are currently playing through the pain barrier at the moment for Melbourne as well. And a lot of them are key players. Max Gorn, I think, was really battling some back issues as he was uh, playing these last few weeks. So I guess in a way, he's going to get some much needed rest for those other injuries. Um, You've also got uh, Ed Langton. I mean, he sustained those, those ribs... It seems like now that he maybe did sustain some fractured ribs. I don't know, but he's definitely ha- taken a massive knock to that area against in the North game, and he has been severely limited. I think as a result of it, he's not quite going as hard as he usually would. He's not. Co- he's still covering the territory, but he's, he's just not busting the gut that he was before. And he is such a crucial player to the setup because. When we do play a high line, when we do have guys like Lever and May and, and Petty getting up the ground, he's often a sweeper. He often gets back and, and, and just, you know, it's like an offside trap, I guess, in soccer. He's always the one who sort of steps up but also gets back as well and covers. So, yeah, he's been a little bit out of sorts and, and rightfully so. If he is playing with with some, you know, banged up ribs, let Yeah, that's definitely gonna make a difference. And Stephen May, well, you know, the last few weeks have just been a nightmare for him. Really, Uh, like he's had the concussion, he missed the game with the protocol, and he was suspended for the next game. So that's three games that he hasn't played. And without when the bye comes up, he's also gonna yeah. It's one when we get to the Brisbane game, he will have missed about one month of football. So that's not ideal either. So. That's where it sits. It's not a massive injury list, but when you dig a bit deeper, it's not that rosy for Melbourne at the moment. The odds are probably more so against us this year in terms of going on to win a flag. Last year was quite a dream run with injuries. The only ones I can really think of off the top of my head when it came to those were, I think Langdon might have missed a game or two with the concussion. Oh no, he missed one with concussion. Um, Tom McDonald did go down late in the season with the back stuff. Look, we obviously had some knocks here and there and a a few, yeah, a few injuries, uh, but yeah, it it just wasn't, it it really was a dream run. You couldn't have wished for a better run with injuries than that one for Melbourne last year. So it's going to be very hard to expect us to repeat exactly what we did last year, because not only are we going through what might be a loading, uh, phase, but it's also the personnel. There's no player that can really cover for three or four of their best personnel out. It's just not possible. You can't overcome that in the AFL. If you take the three or four best players out, or severely limit some of them, most important, we won't say best, we'll say most important players to the structure, it's just very, very hard and things get altered dramatically. So... It's it's really hard to say with Melbourne. It's very hard. Can Melbourne go on and win the flag? Yes, they can. There's no doubt about that. They did it last year. They've shown they can do it. They've got a system that works when all hands are on deck. There's no doubt that that system is very hard to, to match. Are they the best team in the competition? Yeah. Look, I still think on paper they probably are, but I don't think the gap is that big. I don't think the gap is that much bigger than Brisbane. I don't think the gap is that much bigger than Fremantle. I do think that on paper, though, they are still the best. But, yeah, it, it's it's going to take a while before we see that again. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, it's going to be one of those second halves of the season. After the issues that happened at Intricot and all that stuff with Stephen May. Can, will the Demons... Rest up and heal, and and take these challenges on. Take a few scalps, and really perform in the back half of the year. And once that finals period comes around, and they've done the loading and they get and start tapering off with the training, will they be hitting another finals series really hard? That's the plan, or is it going to get a bit much? Are they going to lose their bundle? Are the injuries going to get too much? Is there not going to be any answer? But it's got to be one week at a time for Melbourne at the moment. And lastly, and it couldn't come a moment too soon because my voice is shot, but we have the Brisbane Lions. They are sitting very nicely at the moment. They're, they're sitting very nicely. I have to admit that the Lions are probably one of the teams, one of the good teams that I've seen the least this year. And it's, Pretty much, I just find myself either watching YouTube pilots of their games or seeing their results in the news. And yeah, they're just, just tr- ticking along and getting the wins. Uh, you kind of just trust that they're going to get the job done. They're going to be up there on the p- pointy end of the ladder, which is exactly the case. They're sitting the top of the ladder as we speak. It's a good view from the top as well. And if we look at the Lions fixture ahead... Well, it's... (laughs) It's not all that bad. There's a couple of real tests in there, but apart from Melbourne twice, the Dogs I would still consider a tough one. They play the Bombers, the Giants. The Suns' A Q clash will be really good, I think. Maybe could be one of the best Q-clashes in ages, really. They've got Richmond at the G. They've got Carlton at the Gabba. So... And they've got Sekilda at Marvel. Uh, It's not the easiest, but I reckon it's one of the easier draws out of the, the top four. So, you'd have every reason to be very, very upbeat about the lines. They also have, essentially, a full list to choose from. You've got Dane Zorko out with a hamstring at the moment, but he's being assessed, Darcy Gardner is out with that lung issue. But apart from that, there really is a full list to choose from. And they are in great form. Very good form. Uh, you know, Joe Denner has been more than reasonable this season. And I think he's looking like a player that they thought they were getting. Really. Apart from, you know, a couple of minor setbacks, he's really, really... Look the goods. Uh, you got Jared Berry who goes strength to strength. Humor cludge again. Like could he be pushing for all Australian? Uh okay, he's definitely in the mix for the other wing. Uh, Harris Andrews, Marcus Adams, just patrolling down back. Uh, then you've got some of the the other contributors like uh, you know Darcy Ford, Darcy Gardner. Very impressive. But it's the forward line that impresses me the most with Brisbane. You know, you've got the Daniel McStays. You've got the uh, the, the Zach Baileys. You've got the, um, the Lincoln McCarthys. The Danaher's, as we mentioned. Charlie Cameron is having a reasonable season. It's really a balanced team at the moment. You've got Lachie Neal in, in Brownlow form, really. Jared Lyons doing his bit again. Another 29 possessions on the weekend. The big O, Oscar McInerney, does his job in the ruck. Daniel Rich using it as well as he always has. This is a very good team. And they got Eric Hipwood back up and running this year doing his thing. You know, he's not kicking a bag of goals every week, but he's definitely chipping in where he needs to. It is a multi-pronged attack. The only real criticism is, I guess, when it comes to the pointy, and we saw it in the finals last year, especially against Melbourne, When Lockie Neal isn't able to put his stamp on that midfield, who's the next man up to really take the game by the scruff of the neck? Is it someone like Jared Lyons? Is it Mitch Robinson? You just wonder who's going to win the hard ball if it's not someone like that, uh, if he's getting the attention. So, yeah, look... That's another question. The other thing is, you know, they've gone out in straight sits in the last few years in finals. They've won one finals game in the last three years. Can they go the next step? We know that this is a great home and away season team. They've proven that. What's the next step for Brisbane? That's what people want to know. So, what do they need to do in these games coming up? Very little, really. I mean, let's look at it. One, two, three, four, five of these remaining games will be at the Gabba. Their play sides like Melbourne and Carlton. Uh, they also put this Q- Sons in the Q, Q Clash. Uh, they got the Dons as well, and the Bulldogs. So, if I was Brisbane versus if I was Melbourne. I would feel much more confident about getting a top two position this year if I was the Lions. As far as a top four position goes, there's no way that Brisbane can miss top four. Not with this run. Uh, it, it's it's not, like I said, it's not an easy run, but there's no way that Brisbane, they can get enough wins here to get top four. And I, I think they should. But, jeez. But in my honest opinion, I'd be fancying Brisbane to finish minor premiers this year. Uh, I think that that's the way it's playing out at the moment. Uh, I look at the Frio run home and the Melbourne run home and they're very challenging. And if they were to get through those, then they deserve a lot of credit. But as it stands, Brisbane are on top. I would imagine that Brisbane will finish top. That's just the way I see it. And uh gives them a very good platform to challenge for a flag. Um, that is it. That's the end of our show today. I'm not sure how well we went, and my voice is not holding up very well. I hope you got something out of this. Uh, if you have any feedback on this or uh, anything that we missed, write to footytype22 at gmail.com. i will be very interested to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, in the meantime, we will be taking the week off next week, but we will return after round 15 to go through everything there. It'll be good to get back to a regulation round of nine games. So, yeah, we look forward to speaking to you again. Uh, in the meantime, whether your team's playing this week or whether they're not, either hopefully they win or you enjoy a nice week off. Um, yeah, just turn your attention somewhere else. It's a good chance do not have to worry about footy for one week. And trust me, as a Melbourne fan, I... I'm kind of happy to have a breather from this recent run of form. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, we'll be back the week after. So, yeah, that's all we got time for this week. I would like to finish off by just giving a shout-out to Nicky Winmar. The former St Kilda legend has finally been inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. I was a big fan of Nicky Winmar growing up. Uh, he was one of my favourite players outside of Melbourne. Just uh, such a dynamic wingman. He was beautifully skilled with both feet, had an amazing leap. He would take a screamer very often. Uh, but yeah, he could he could really get some depth in his kicks as well. He could just sort of bounce around and win a hard ball and kick at 60 metres. And he was tough as well. He was very, very tough. Uh, yeah, just a superb player to watch. Uh, really happy that he's in Hall of Fame. and I think that uh, he does a lot for the Indigenous community. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a real fitting moment. So, yeah, well done, Nikki. Thoroughly deserved. In the meantime, we'll catch you to round 15. Um, Yeah, once again, apologies for the cold and my voice. Hopefully that gets better in a week or two. In the meantime, bye for now.